This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today is the second uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day in our country, and we're spending the morning talking about some of the issues surrounding that and, and also about the course of the past year. Uh, one of the voices we've leaned on a lot over the past year and uh, the audience has really, really enjoyed and responded to is Marcel Desjardins. Golden Eagle, as you know him, and uh, he's agreed to spend some time with us this morning once again. So, Marcel, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us, as always, sir. Uh, good morning. Can you hear me? Gotcha. Yeah, you're okay. I'll turn you up a little bit, but yeah, it's good. Uh, <laughs> we got a lot of things we want to talk about. First of all, how are you, friend? How you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling better. I had a little uh, little health scare there, but I'm dealing with it. Um, feeling better. Getting some rest. Good, good. What does... um? The National Day for Truth and Reconciliation mean to you? Um, it gives me hope. It uh, it means that uh, a lot of the wrongs that were committed against uh, our different tribes of Native people across Turtle Island are starting to be recognized and acknowledged and um, understood. Um, is I think a lot of people struggle on the best way to to recognize the day um is it attending an event i think speaking with people like you is the best thing you can do and getting that education and understanding but how would you encourage people to to spend today well to uh, get educated is probably about the best way we can we can um honor truth and reconciliation and indian residential school experience is to educate ourselves and to look after our own healing. We talk about uh, intergenerational trauma and, and, and things like that that our communities are going through, and that's real. Um, but we also deal with um, intergenerational ignorance, intergenerational racism. And so we really have to look at ourselves as individuals, whether we're Native or European or otherwise, and, and look look at how we approach people in our lives because each and every one of us we deserve love kindness and respect each each and every one of us as human beings and so a lot of the times we deal with um, negativity when we speak about aboriginal issues or indigenous issues we talk about it on social media and we're lambasted and we face a lot of uh, of negativity but uh, the reality is um, if we want this world we live in to change and we become the change we have to look at ourselves and for myself uh my grandpa my dad's dad went to residential school he met my grandmother in the residential school and they had 16 children and they brought the teachings that they experienced in residential school which weren't very positive home and they have they talked with corporal punishment and and a very very difficult hand and pass that kind of teaching down generations onto us, right? And so we have to unlearn. We have to unlearn those behaviors. We have to unlearn those teachings. 
and find it in our hearts to uh, our, our authentic selves without all the pain and, and suffering. And so I think it, the more we can as individuals look at ourselves, whether it's truth and reconciliation or others or what have you, um, the world will become a better place here, especially here in, in Canada. You know, Marcel, I think I'm glad you're talking about your personal connection with the residential school experience. And and you and I have talked about it, but I don't think we've talked about it with the audience, sort of where it's taken you and the work that you do now. Because, I mean, you're not just some guy that we came across. I mean, you are and and you've been a valued voice, but you work in this. This is what you do, right? That trauma, that experience, that healing. That's the focus of your work these days, right? It is. um... I, I'm trying to uh, put the Indian back into the child, as it were. I mean, we've dealt with 156 so, or so years of of um, conservative government taking the Indian out of the child, dealing with the Indian problem. And we have about 50,000 kids in care across the country, and the majority of them are, not, are Indigenous, Métis, or Inuit. And so... Although the Indian residential school experience ended in 1996, it continues right now in child welfare services, right? They're mm-hmm. still kids. They're still taking up their kids. And so what I've done is I quit my job at the group homes, and I started my own company or companies. And uh, I opened up a group home here in Edmonton, which is uh, 100% Indigenous-owned. And uh, we 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 have uh, our, our business is based on the... Our seven sacred teachings, culture, language, and ceremony. Everything we do is with the Aboriginal, with the Indigenous communities that the kids come from, and uh, we teach them their culture, language, and ceremonies. And at the same time, we're putting them through Western education and uh, getting them culture, getting them uh, counseling if needed or whatnot. And then um, on, a, on another note, we, I, I'm in partnership with. Uh, Frog Lake First Nation um, building a youth treatment center, and we're getting close. It's been very hard. Um, we're doing it without any kind of government funding or support, So, but we're very close to opening uh, a 10-bed facility to help kids that are dealing with uh, addiction or trauma or, or any kind of abuse. So um, that's that's where I'm at. Uh, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, that's my idea of of truth and reconciliation is to help our children um, develop a positive identity about who they are and to uh, help them heal because they're experiencing the rippling effects of intergenerational trauma, right? Yeah, and I think that's the piece, Marcel, that you've taught me a lot about, and uh, we just had uh, Karen Snowshoe speaking about it as well. It's that intergenerational trauma piece. I've only got a minute before we have to take a break for the news, so I don't want to get into it, but I do want to to ask you about that and sort of define what it is and then how you see it translate. Because like you say, you do, right? The, the residential experience ended in 1996, but the kids you're dealing with today are um, experiencing that inter- intergenerational trauma right now as we speak. Oh, for certain. Um, I don't know if it's something um, that we can deal with the Band-Aid. It's something that's going to take all of us as uh, community members or uh, right across this great nation to deal with. It doesn't matter our nationality. Um, What we are having in our communities is problems that are affected by intergenerational trauma. 
uh, drugs, alcohol, sexual abuse, all these things, and uh, they're impacting us in a negative way. So whatever we can do to address these issues as an individual, as a community, or as leaders, um, it, it starts with us as individuals. So we got to keep trying. Okay, what we need to do, we have to take a break for the 1030 News. When we come back, we'll start there. We'll talk about intergenerational trauma, and then uh, I want to talk to you about the papal visit and and, and the path forward, more importantly. So stay where you are. We'll be back with uh, Marcel Desjardins, Golden Eagle, when we come back after the 1030 News. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. On this second National Day of Truth and Reconciliation, we're chatting with Marcel Desjardins, Golden Eagle, about some of the issues around truth and reconciliation, some of the events that have taken place over the past year. And Marcel, I just want to, that intergenerational trauma piece, to me, that's the most interesting part. And the, the thing I think I've learned the most about over the course of the past year, just help us to understand that, because as you know, and you've heard it yourself, uh, a lot of people will say, oh, come on, it happened 50 years ago, get over it, move past it, whatever. I think we need to have a better understanding of, okay, yeah, maybe the, you know, grandfather or grandmother was in a residential school 50 years ago, but the trauma didn't end there and how it continues. Can you sort of explain how that trauma continues generation to generation to generation? Well, certainly um, um, my grandpa was in residential school when he came out of there. I asked my dad, how come he was allowed to leave residential school? at 14 years old. And my dad said, well, he was six foot two and 200 pounds, they couldn't stop him. <laughs> but you know, when he left the residential school, he left with, uh, with, uh, with no love, no care, um, constant yelling and beatings uh, for being native or what have you. Um, who knows what else? I mean, kids experience sexual abuse, uh, insults on the daily, starvation, and uh, loneliness, and then they take that home to them, to their communities. Um, and then that's that's part of their, their uh, the way they bring their kids up. I know uh, my mom talked about my, my, my grandpa was a gentle man, but if he was drinking or angry, he'd, he'd have these outbursts. And um, so my dad said when one of them got out, got in trouble, they all got uh, a licking. That's his word, a licking. So 16 kids got in trouble for one. And I imagine that's what the residential school was like, corporal punishment if somebody got out of line. All of them got in trouble. And so that's being handed down in communities from uh, grandfathers to to or from fathers to sons to grandsons. Right, yeah. And, and I remember my dad used to have these uh, outbursts like that. Um, I never see my parents drink alcohol or do drugs. And they, they mostly, we mostly had a positive upbringing. My dad, however, would have these outbursts like that. And um, it wasn't until 1985, I think, that he got help from an elder that recognized what he was going through. And uh, we were working in, in Muskogee at that time, Louisville, and her name was uh, Mrs. Roasting, Doris Roasting. And she told him, she said, you need help. 
you need help. <clears throat> and uh, she built a sweat lodge for him and took him to the sweat lodge. And um, when we were done, he talked about how he he was reborn and how he felt refreshed and coming out of the sweat lodge because uh, he was going through some things there that we couldn't understand. And I imagine it's mental health issues now, fast forwarding to today. Um, with what she was dealing with, could have been depression or mental health, or I think he realized probably when I was around 14 years old that what he was going through or what he was doing as an angry person or expressing his anger in an unhealthy way wasn't the right way of doing things. And when the elder helped him, uh, I think that's when my dad changed and started to recognize that he needed to do something. And we each individuals need to figure out what that something is for ourselves. Well, that's the question I have, because once you have the understanding of, okay, I, I recognize how that trauma occurs and how it persists through the generations. The question is, how do you break that cycle and how do you change it? That's the work that you do. That's what you're talking about. And and that's an individual experience. Is that what you're saying? There's no one size fits all? I believe so. I mean, uh, I, I, I carried out the same sta- similar standard of teaching, albeit a little bit wilder, not watered down, same standard of parenting as, as my dad did. Uh, I would yell and uh, have these outbursts when I got angry um, to the point where it's affecting my well, my relationship with one of my sons today because he, he, he talked about that just the other day about me, about growing up. And uh, and it was difficult in the house sometimes when I get upset or or angry and have these outbursts. Uh, but it takes you have to recognize that in yourself as an individual, and uh, and it's difficult. I mean, at seven years old, uh, I was uh, sexual abused, and uh, I had no no nobody to uh, to reach out to, and so I suffered in silence a lot. I tried to reach out a couple times, but it was with very negative effects. And uh, when I became uh, an adult and a parent, um, uh, a police officer, right? Uh, I policed for several years, and then I started interviews, uh, getting complaints of uh, children being uh, abused by their grandfather. And that really set me off. I I don't know if I can talk about it too much, the, the files itself, but it really, it really... Uh, messed with my head having uh, several little girls coming to me and disclosing what was going on in their life. And it set me off, right? It set me off. Um, I had a downward spiral for a while, uh, dealing with some mental health issues, dealing with some suicidal thoughts, suicidal attempts. And um, and uh, I finally ended up leaving the police force after I, uh, I hurt my girlfriend. And... Um, it wasn't a very good time in my life, but I, I, I had to figure it out. I went home, and my dad helped me. He built me a sweat lodge, and, and that's probably my turning point. It wasn't easy, um, but it's a, it has to be a conscious decision on the individual to make those changes in their life. I went into counseling in Saskatoon. Uh, I did follow-up with elders. I, I, I went to ceremony. I went to counseling. I went to anger management. I did all these things. And I still do them today because it just doesn't stop. Um, once you do counseling or something like that, it's not a magic fix. You, you don't get over things so quickly uh, or you don't get through things so quickly. So you have to keep working at it and finding ways to uh, 
maintaining your uh, a healthy relationship with yourself and your family, keeping your, your, your medicine wheel balanced, so to speak. But I see the way you are with your grandkids on social media and how much time and energy and love you have for those kids. Um, and, and the work that you do within the community, and, and we know you care about the kids in the community and you want to... So how do you move from where you were? That's the, that's the piece, Marcel. How do you go from where you were um, to, okay, now let's get, let's get after it, let's solve this problem? Because that's where you seem to be now. Well, you just keep trying, right? Our, our elders... Uh, there's no way, real way to say give up in our in our in our language. <laughs> our elders and our our, uh, our teachers, they tell us a couple of things: agamemnon and kayapume, like don't give up and keep moving forward, like never surrender, right? And so that's what we do. Um, we continue to go to ceremony. We continue to to reach out. We continue to help people. Uh, that need the need the help and uh, keep doing our good work. Uh, we had some great teachers, and my dad that's now passed away, and my mother, who just turned eighty the other day, and they are the two smartest people I know on this planet, and the two most generous and loving and and forgiving people on this planet. And part of part of my own healing was to was to forgive my abuser, um, even though he passed away. Before, uh, I had to do it after when he wasn't around on this planet, but um, part of healing is going to take forgiveness. And I know the chief, Chief Desjardins was on the other day, and he talked about that, talked about uh, the, the road to reconciliation and whatnot is going to take forgiveness uh, on both sides of the equation. Yeah. Okay. I need to take a break, Marcel. When we come back, I want to talk about the year, the papal visit, and uh, where do we need to go from here? We're chatting with Marcel Desjardins, Golden Eagle, and we'll continue when we come back right after this. It's Marcel Desjardins, Golden Eagle, on this second day of truth and reconciliation in Canada. And Marcel, just, I mean, the past year since, uh, you know, their first uh, truth and reconciliation day, so much has happened. So much has happened. How do you put it all into context? I mean, we had the uh, Indigenous delegation that went to Rome and met with the Pope, and then the Pope came here. And I think those are probably the two most, you know, talked about events. But how do you put the past year into perspective? Well, I think it's a great first step. I mean, uh, we've been asking for this for a long time as uh, as uh, Native communities uh, looking towards healing, that we needed this horrible experience to be acknowledged, and I think it was. I mean, it, it's a good first step for the Pope to come here to meet with the communities and speak about it. Um, a lot of people don't feel that he uh, he apologized um, uh, enough or properly, but at the same time, I think it's important to remember that um, we have to be sort of patient, and I think it's important for the Pope to gather information and to, to make a really uh, informed apology. That's just my own personal opinion, and, uh, and, and I'm looking forward to what that might look like. I know the Pope talked about a, an investigation and whatnot, and, and people say that he should have enough knowledge based on, on, on the church's involvement and the government's involvement in their in a residential school experience. But I think cooler heads will prevail and that the Pope will make a, a concerted effort and uh, based on their own investigation. It's going to happen. Um, when that happens, I don't know. But uh, I'm looking forward to it, and I think it's a great first step. 
Um, okay, the first step, I think you're right, and I think a lot of people recognize it as that, but the continuing steps, where do we go from here? I mean, what, what, what's the focus for you? What do we need to be working on now? Well, healing. Um, healing is not an overnight thing. And some certain acknowledgments. Um, I, continue, I continually talk about, Shay, that Native people are not part of the government structure of this country, even though it's our land even though our resources hold up and prop up the country at all levels, whether it's federal, provincial, or municipal, and foreign interests. We're not at the table of any sort. Um, the government, uh, uh, in my personal opinion, half of this governance structure belongs to the Native people and the first the Native people right across this country in the legislature and, uh, and the federal parliament buildings um, and the law, lawmaking. You played a, a clip from the U of A about justice, and uh, we're not at that table. Our laws are not recognized. The two official languages of the country are English and French from across the big water. There's no Mi'kmaq, there's no Mohawk, there's no Nehel, there's no Ashnabi, you know? And, and, and that's sad. So I think as, as, as uh, going forward, we need to bring the Native communities into the fabric of Canada. We need to be part of that development. Like, um, Explain people, that to me, though. I mean, we've got, we've got the Assembly of First Nations. We've got ministers in every government involved with Indigenous issues. What, what, how, what, what are you describing? What are you talking about? Well, I think, uh, I, I think we need to restructure the governance structure of Canada. The ministers, they don't represent us, and the, the Federation of, of, of Native, Native uh, Communities doesn't represent us. It doesn't truly represent us, and we're not in the House of Commons, and we're not in the legislature. We should be across the floor from the Prime Minister of Canada, or maybe the Prime Minister of Canada and Premiers need to be Native people. But we're not, we don't have that true representation or involvement in the governance, and, and that's what needs to happen. We need to tear it down and rebuild it based on treaty. There's no treaty departments in all across Canada. Although everybody talks about treaty, lives within treaty, it's not really recognized. We're wards of the court, we're wards of the Alberta government, we're wards of the Canadian government, and we don't have true representation. And it's time to, to, to uh, turn back the clock and, and start, to start right from the beginning. What if John A. Macdonald and the, and the treaty people at the beginning of, uh, of governance, built a, a foundation based on treaty, based on mutual respect, and, and, uh, and represented all the people, you know, and I don't think the government represents a quarter of the people of this country, you know, and so that's something we really, really need to look at. There's, there's, it's, it wouldn't be the first time a country dis dismantled their government and started over. I mean, that's a monstrous, monstrous, monstrous task, Marcel. And, and, and you know what? Maybe that's something that we do talk about and we do work towards. Um, in the short term, as you know, you're, the work that you're doing, what can the rest of the community... I mean, there's all kinds of events happening today and there's walks and ceremonies and all these sorts of things. But I think for a lot of people, the question is, okay, what do I do? I have an understanding now and I have a recognition. How do I help? How do I get involved? So how do we as a community, all of us, start working on this? Well, I think it's just a matter of getting out and getting involved. Um, it seems like uh, the, the non-Native community is hesitant, uh, worried about reprisal, worried about 
not not fitting in or not being accepted. But like I said before in our many talks, Shay, that Native people are very welcoming and they they, they understand tobacco. And if you if you don't if you want to learn, pick up some tobacco and go to an event and meet with an elder and put it in their hand and hold their hand and ask them that you to teach you. One of my friends was uh, in Muscochis the other day, her and her daughter, I think it was, and uh, they were standing there in their, their orange shirts and their, their ribbon dresses, and a vehicle pulled over, and there was a, lady, a European lady that uh, wanted to meet them and introduced herself and talked about how how sad and sore she was for the residential school experience, etc. And that's a great first step. It takes courage. Uh, um Okay, but the important part, the important part, what was the response? When she did that, when she pulled over and, and said that, what was the response? Because I think, I mean, that's the part a lot of people wouldn't, I imagine she was welcomed with open arms, right? She was welcomed with open arms. She was greeted. She was hugged. She, uh, they thanked her for stopping. They thanked her for, for, for expressing herself, and they gifted her, I think, some beaded earrings. Um, but that's uh, that's what it takes. I mean, you you took a great first step to come out and meet with us and, and sit with us and listen. I mean, you were you were you you probably had to uh, work up some courage sure. to do that. You know, no, you're and, absolutely and right. I mean, you you extended the invitation, and I had. You're right. It's kind of like first. It wasn't like I was scared, but it was kind of like. How how am I going to be viewed? You know, am, am I am I the problem? Am I going to be welcomed? Are people going to be resentful? All of these sorts of things you don't know. But like I say, when I did that and I met with you and the group that you were with, uh, yeah, absolutely welcomed with open arms. I think it changed my wife's life when she met you guys. To be completely honest with you, and and, and the impact that you had on her, and just by you know just by being with her. So I think. I was absolutely shocked by the way that it went, and it, it's the kind of thing that I think if we can somehow do that for everybody, Marcel, we could change this thing. Well, that's the magic in, in being loving and open and kind, right? Uh, um, I, I think we all have it in our heart. Uh, we're born, we're born to love, and um, we have to unlearn some of these behaviors. But we also have to be willing to take a risk. We also have to be willing to that we may experience some level of hurt or, or, or difficulty in trying to to um, get through this truth and reconciliation experience and relationship. Relationships aren't always easy. They're not always sunshine and rainbows. But if you come from a place of mutual love and respect, then it's going to be a great experience. And I think if you're in and around the city, uh, partake in some of the events that are going on. Learn about the native cultures that are going on around that that thrive around the city of Edmonton or Treaty Six, Seven, and Eight. Just step out of your comfort zone. You know, it's not just about orange T-shirts. It's about experience, uh, relationships and meeting people and making friends. Uh, we don't always have to agree on things to, to get along. We can still have mutual respect. You know. Yeah, I, th that's the key. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, and I don't want to discount the orange shirt day or anything like that, but I think you're right. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to wear the orange shirt today and look at me. I'm part. It, it, it's so much more than that. And it's so simple to do. And it's so positive for everybody involved. Uh, last question, Marcel. It's been a year. Um, are we better off? Are we in a better place? Like you say, it's a good first step. And I guess that's something we can take and say, okay, you know what? Uh, we've made a little bit of progress, but. I think so. I mean, uh, every day we have to wake up and, and uh, take on the new day and take on the challenges that day, day brings. 
you know, last night I attended the Emmy Lazard School, and they did a really wonderful presentation. Um, there was a, a young man, Dallas Arkham, that played piano and guitar and the flute and danced, and uh, and then the children there uh, uh, were dancing and doing poetry. And there was a time when we weren't allowed to express ourselves. We weren't allowed to practice our culture, and we weren't allowed to sing or dance or sundance or attend sweat lodge. It was illegal, and it cost us either jail time or our life. So I think we as a community in, in Canada or, or Turtle Island have come a long way. I, I, you know, I want to I shout out to my friends, Amanda Wanich and uh, Sheena and uh, they're up in uh, Paris right now and now uh, in uh, international uh, indigenous modeling and uh, so they're setting uh, new standards and breaking barriers for indigenous women. They were in New York and now they're in Paris and I think that's great um, and I think each and every one of us as individuals we have to keep trying and keep moving forward in our own healing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think Canada is in better place. I think the leadership uh, needs to do more and, and find more understanding because sometimes it can feel like just words and, and actions speak volumes. And uh, I think uh, I want to thank you, especially you. You uh, you have such an open mind, and such an open heart when it comes to Indigenous issues, and your 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 uh, your listeners are the same way. And uh, I really enjoy coming on and talking about these issues. My mom is in uh, in Slave Lake today. She's she's uh, doing a pipe ceremony um, for the ladies there. Uh, there'll be women there that were in Indian residential school uh, and their families, and I believe they'll be doing the walk. So I think uh, if if a little old lady that's 80 now uh, that went to residential school. Um, if she can work through those hardships and, and forgive people, I think we can learn from that, each and every one of us, right? Yeah. And it's all on our own time. It's all it's all in different times. But I think the more we recognize that there needs to be healing in our communities and, and we work together um, in leadership and community to bring healing to, the, to these individuals that need it, then we'll be much better off next year. I think we'll have more to say and more to talk and, and more. Uh, and between now and then, Marcel, you and I will talk often, uh, as you know, always welcome here. Uh, and I, I, I can't thank you enough. I, I really appreciate you coming on. The audience loves your perspective, loves hearing from you. So um, be well, my friend. And, and thanks again for joining us today. Okay, Shane. Thanks, sir. That is Marcel Descharles, Golden Eagle, um, a, a voice of, of reason for us, I think, around all of these conversations. I really appreciate his time.